Hey everyone, a little over 10 years ago, Janelle and I were serving at a small church near Murrieta, California, which is just north of San Diego. And we had moved there to buy an affordable house. And when we did, we found a local church, which at the time was about 25 people. And because of its size, it was where God prepared us, I believe, for church planting because it was there that I first started leading worship. It was there where I learned how to set up audio and video equipment. Uh, I started teaching the Bible there for the first time, and it's there where I got my first experience with pastoral ministry as the youth pastor. And at the church, because of its size, there weren't a lot of musicians, and so I started raising up youth to play on the worship team. But it was a setup and breakdown church, much like our church today, the River Church. So we didn't have a space to practice midweek. And so we practiced in my living room. Now, one thing you have to know about me, and you probably heard me talk about this before, but for the most part, I am a rule follower. And now I'm not always a rule follower, but for the most part I am. And at the time I was concerned about disturbing my neighbors with the loud music, but it's not like I knew them because again, something that you know about me is that I'm naturally introverted. And it's really hard for me to meet new people and to socialize. Now I've gotten better at it as I've worked really hard uh, to do so, but back in California, I never knew my neighbors. And at least in Southern California, that that's not uh, unnormal to not know your neighbors because we like our privacy and so we close our windows and close our doors and in the morning you know our garage door opens and our car drives out and most people have long commutes so they don't work in their community and then at the end of the day the car comes back gets swallowed by the garage and the people disappear and then we start all over again the next day. And so that kind of pattern leaves little room for meeting your neighbors. Nevertheless, even though I didn't know my neighbors, I, was, I still had this fear of bothering them. And so I would close up the entire house during worship practice. And then after worship practice, I would continue ignoring my neighbors as I usually did from week to week. And after a few years, Janelle and I decided to move back to San Diego. And as we were finishing up, loading up, the U-Haul, I saw my neighbor's garage door open and I was like, oh geez, I hope they are not gonna finally catch up with me and tell me how noisy we were. And then the couple started walking over and I'm thinking, oh great, here it comes. And they said, are you guys moving? Uh, yeah, we are. Oh, that's a bummer. We always thought that you were good neighbors, even though we didn't speak much. And we loved the music that you guys used to play. And in that moment, I was convicted. Why? Because the Spirit of God was showing me that I had missed an opportunity to share the gospel with my neighbors. I did not take the time to get to know them. I didn't obey God's command to love my neighbors and tell them about Jesus. And based on their response to our worship practices, I missed what was likely an openness to the gospel. And at that moment, I resolved to live differently. I was never again going to isolate myself from my community. 
Now, what does this story have to do with what we're talking about today? Well, we are currently in a series about the gifts of the Spirit, and today we are going to speak on what I am calling the gift of hospitality. Now, if you go through the scriptures, you're not going to find the gift of hospitality listed anywhere. That's because I believe not every gift of the Spirit is listed in the Bible. If you remember from a couple weeks ago, spiritual gifts are defined as any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. So I want us to think about this. Think about prayer. While all Christians should pray, there are obviously people that are gifted in prayer to the degree that when they pray, it is obvious that the Holy Spirit is empowering them to do so. And yet, prayer is not found on any list in the Bible. I also believe that there is overlap in the gifts listed, meaning that sometimes the gifts that are listed are simply different words describing the same gift manifested differently. For example, a word of wisdom or knowledge could very well be an expression of the gift of prophecy, which is when God spontaneously gives a person wisdom to declare to others. Therefore, today, I'd like to talk about three gifts given in Scripture to describe what I'm calling, as a whole, the gift of hospitality. And so, Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12 that says, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. The first gift we are going to discuss is the gift of helping. There is nothing miraculous about this gift. It describes a person who is willing and has the ability to help somebody else, specifically those who are poor, weak, or an outcast. And this help is not limited to those with physical needs, but also those spiritually poor, weak, or outcasted. It includes people far from God and needing help to find him. The Greek word for helping is a combination of words, including exchange and grab. In other words, to help is to grab hold of a person's needs and make an exchange with them. It is saying, I will partner with you and take your burdens as my own. I will help you. A cool way to think about this verse is found in Romans chapter 8. Now, have you ever had those moments where you desperately needed help? Like nothing is working and you know that you need to pray, but even then you don't know what to say. And then you remember the promise that the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 8 where it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words we discover that we have a promise that the Holy Spirit, who is God, will personally help us by personally praying for us. And that's like the gift of helps. It's supernatural, God-inspired, personal assistance through the gifted, Holy Spirit-powered person. It's also a help that's sourced from love. 
It's, it's a love for your community because you don't have the gift of helps if you're like, fine, I'll help you, dummy. I can't believe you can't do this on your own. No, no, that is not the spiritual gift of helps. Those with the spiritual gift personally stand with you and say, I am here to partner with you and we got this. Now, the next gift found is in Romans chapter 12, which says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving. The second gift is the gift of serving. Now, can you see how there is already natural overlap with the gift of helping? I definitely believe they are connected, but a different word is used in Romans chapter 12 for translating serving. This word is tied to actions. It is the work done to benefit another person. In many ways, this gift defines what we call ministry. Now, we use the word ministry to describe the different ways that the church serves God and each other. And when we do ministry, we don't do it for our own benefit. At least we're not supposed to. We serve even when there is no personal benefit. In fact, this serving in ministry is sacrificial. It's a gift that obeys what we call the great commandment. You know, Jesus was once asked, what is the most important thing for us to be concerned with in this life? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The gift of serving is working because you love God with all of your heart and you love your neighbor the same way. The gift of serving involves tangible actions that make the invisible God visible. It makes Jesus real to our community. Now, the third gift is also found in a list in Romans chapter 12. Romans 12, 8 says, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. And so let's talk about the gift of generosity. This gift involves both the desire and the ability to give, but it is much more. Those with this gift are willing to share from their personal resources at great cost. This spiritual sharing involves sacrifice. Additionally, this gift can also be defined as being simple and sincere. It is having a singleness of heart. Now, what does that mean? Well, in 2 Corinthians 8, Paul is teaching about the importance of generosity. And he says, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Jesus has existed in perfection from eternity past. He has no needs and he was rich, but... He shared and sacrificed his perfect life on the cross to save us. He generously became poor so that we could have eternal life, so that we could become rich. 
And those with the gift of generosity have a singleness of heart with Jesus. They share his generous heart. How awesome is that? Furthermore, the word used for generosity in Romans chapter 12 is related to the word used in Matthew 6, where Jesus says the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. The word translated healthy is related to the word translated generous. And I believe it is appropriate to say that a generous heart is a heavenly, healthy heart. Generosity transforms the world into the way that God desires it to be. Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. You know, the prophet Isaiah is prophetically pointing to how Jesus, by his generosity, would one day make all things right. He would make everything heavenly healthy. And those with the gift of generosity have the same heart. They too want what God wants. And so they generously give as a way to transform the world in Jesus' name. And so that's the gift of hospitality. It includes the gifts of help and serving and generosity. And sure, those individual gifts can stand on their own, but I think they rightfully combine to become the spiritual gift of hospitality. But now you may be asking, what's so important about hospitality. Because so far in this series, we've talked about the apostles and prophets, people spiritually gifted to both build up the church and push the kingdom of God forward. And last week, Pastor John talked about the gifts of miracles and healings and tongues, supernatural gifts that produce awe and wonder in the world. And so considering those gifts, what's the big deal with helping people and serving people and sharing your stuff. I mean, honestly, who would want this gift, this gift of hospitality? Because to our natural minds, it almost sounds like being a spiritually gifted doormat. Like the Holy Spirit has empowered me to let you walk all over me. Well, let me remind us about a very important truth. Isaiah 55 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God does things differently. Things that seem backward, like when Jesus said, so the last will be first and the first will be last. That's different. That's not the way the world works. Yet that is exactly how the kingdom of God works. 
Therefore, despite how lame or backwards the gift of hospitality sounds to us, let me give us three reasons why the gift of hospitality is extremely important. Number one is this. Hospitality reveals God's heart. When I was talking about the gift of helps and serving and generosity a moment ago, how many of you theologians noticed the Trinity hiding in those definitions? By the way, I recognize that many people who watch church online are at different stages of faith. And so when I say Trinity, uh, I want to let you know, I want to be clear that I'm talking about the God of the Bible, who is three in one. That is, there is one God, but three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Anyways, think about this. In John 14, Jesus called the Holy Spirit the helper. And then in Matthew 20, 28, Jesus, who is God the Son, says that he came to be a servant, to serve. And then in John 3.16, God the Father generously gave us everything when he gave us Jesus. When people experience the gifts of hospitality, they experience the biblical God. Additionally, those gifted in hospitality have the privilege of personally sharing God's heart for the world. All right, number two, hospitality brings healing to a hurting world. We talked about this earlier, but the gift of hospitality makes Jesus real to our community. Because we live in a broken world and pain and suffering and tears is the normal experience of every human heart. But that was not part of God's original design or desire. This is all a result of human rebellion. The world is broken because of our sin. Therefore, we are all hurting. But God was not content to leave us in this brokenness, which is why he sent Jesus to save us. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus ascended to heaven and he will return one day, but for now, we can't see him, even though he is fully alive and present and still working to bring healing to our world. That being said, one of the ways that we know Jesus is still healing is by those gifted in hospitality. By the spirit of Jesus, the world receives help and healing from the church. And this idea should challenge us today because how often have we made the church a spiritual country club instead of a hospital for the broken? I wonder if we need to embrace the famous words of C.T. Studd, who said, some wish to live within the sound of a chapel bell, or in other words, a spiritual country club. I want to run a rescue shop, a hospital within a yard of hell. And it is my firm conviction that hospitality helps build a Holy Spirit hospital that rescues people from hell. And that's why we value and invest so much into the hospitality ministry here at the River Church. Finally, and maybe most importantly, hospitality invites people home. I hope it's okay that I read a large portion of scripture. I mean, we are 
having church right now. But Luke 15 says this, And Jesus said there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he rose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now there is so much to teach from this passage, but here's what I want us to focus on. God just wants us to come home. God has always desired to make his home with us. You want proof? Look at what it says will happen at the end of this age when God makes all things new. Revelation 21 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is is now among his people, and he will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. You know, that has always been God's heart. Because we're the problem. We, like rebellious children, are the ones who are always running away. But God, he just wants us to come home. And hospitality preaches that biblical truth. It declares that you, whoever you are, belong in God's house. That you are seen and welcomed and valued and loved. And because of Jesus, you have a seat at his table. I love what Dustin Willis and Brandon Clements write in their book, The Simplest Way to Change the World. They say the secret weapon for gospel advancement is hospitality. It is the primary way we tell the astounding story that God hasn't given up on us. That is why hospitality is important. It is the gift that expresses God's heart. It's the gift that brings heaven to earth. And it's the gift that invites people home. And so as we close, please know that hospitality should be practiced by everyone. Peter taught the church to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. We should all help and serve and share what God has given us. However, some of us have the spiritual gift 
of hospitality, where the Holy Spirit supernaturally empowers us to excel in hospitality. And if you have this gift, please know that we need you in order to accomplish the mission that God has given us. And so please use it. Use your gift because you are essential. You are an essential part of the plan to reach people in this world for Jesus. And so that being the case, let me give you three quick next steps to either help you grow your gift of hospitality or maybe even discover it. And so number one, I wanna encourage you to open your home. Let me show you two pictures of my house and, and, and you can see the difference uh, between the two. And so this first picture, when I walk around in my neighborhood, this is pretty common. You see windows closed and door closed. And, but do you know what that actually communicates? It says that my home is closed. And if we are representatives of the kingdom of God, we may unintentionally be saying God's home is probably closed too. But now look at this next picture. Look at the difference. This one says my home is open. You can come over. You are welcome. And guess what? It also preaches that God's home is open too. Or the second thing I'd like to suggest is get to know your neighbor. Did you know that God has placed you where you live for a reason? Why? Because you have neighbors who need the gospel. Neighbors who God loves and wants to come home. But they haven't responded because you haven't invited. God has purposefully sent you to your neighborhood. And so don't make the same mistakes I made. In fact, maybe try this next suggestion. In a couple of weeks, if you're watching this on October 8th, there's a very good chance that you will have a lot of people willingly coming to your home. And I wonder what they're gonna encounter. Will they get hospitality or closed door? Now, obviously, I'm speaking about Halloween, and I know many of us uh, have a conviction about not celebrating this. And if that's you, I respect that. But here's what Janelle and I do. On one of the darkest nights of the year, we have determined to be a rescue shop within a yard of hell. We have resolved to be light in the darkness. And so what we do is we buy a ton of candy, full-size candy bars. We put out games. We serve hot chocolate and coffee. And we play Christian music as hundreds of people come to our door. And now after doing this for seven years, we have neighbors who specifically come to our home because they feel welcomed and valued. It's my hope that God would take this small offering of hospitality and use it to call people home. And so here's my suggestion for you. This Halloween, maybe you need to do the same thing. And if you wanna see how we do it, if you belong to the River Church, then you know where I live and, and you're free to come over to my house and help us so that in next year's Halloween, you can love your neighbors the same way. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of hospitality. We pray that you would help us honor and use this gift to change the world, not for our own benefit, but for your glory. 
May many come home by experiencing the gifts of hospitality, which ultimately points us to salvation by faith in Jesus. Because your word says your kindness, your hospitality leads us to repentance. May it be so. May our community respond by repentance and faith to your love. In Jesus' name, 